There was people under trees. <laughs> I don't know how many people dropped that day, but the majority of people that dropped, dropped on day one because no. of that section. Yes. Welcome to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Discover the inspiring stories of the average and not so average runners. And they're off. Hey, how are you doing? <laughs> Good. Jeez. Excellent. What's happening with Gotta Run Racing? Gotta Run Racing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's June and we've moved eastward into Quebec, which is La Morici National Park. Oh. It has a beautiful owl on the metal. Mm. That's pretty sweet. With We Run the North. We Run the North. Virtual. Yes, that's right. And Big Swag Week. Mm-hmm. Getting lots of deliveries. We have our Monarch Butterfly virtual medals that have arrived. Mm-hmm. They are gorgeous. Insert photo here. <laughs> Two-sided. Shows the life cycle of the Monarch on the back and the Monarch on the front. And cool swag. And cool swag. We have a really awesome neck gaiter that uh, features a really neat geometric design mm. that's also on the metal and will also be on the bib. Cool. So check that out. That's Gotta Run Racing. Gotta Run Racing. Who's on the podcast today? Noel. Noel Kingston from Prescott, Arizona, who's just fresh off the finish line of Cocodona 250 in Arizona. 256-mile event. I can't wait to hear his adventure Yes. Because it took him five days or something like that. 108 hours. We're going to hear all about that. That's right. Coming up. Hey, no. Noel, welcome to the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm so very excited to be here. <laughs> well, you and I met a year and a half ago now at the 2019 Havelina 100 when I was volunteering a few days before the race. Yes, I know that uh, when you reached out to me, that uh, as soon as you sent me your uh, your picture, I recalled you. Um, uh, again, you know, it seems like uh, the more you're involved with this, all the races seem to just melt together, you know, the faces and the people. Um, but yes, I definitely remember volunteering with you. And then uh, you also ran the uh, 100K at the event. I sure did. Yeah, it was. Uh, I-, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And we're big fans of Aravipa. So when we saw that you were running Cocodona, I thought you'd be the perfect guest to have on to chat about it because we were having serious race envy during that week. What, it was about three weeks ago now? Serious race envy. But it was so fun to follow you along on Facebook and see what everyone was up to. So that's what we're going to chat about today. Yeah, I would love chatting about it because it was just the, uh, the most awesome experience I've ever had. And the other thing, too, that we find interesting is we're both in our 50s now, and you're sort of in the middle there of the 50s, and we want to get your perspective on if if that played a factor in the event, too, because it's a, it's a bigger task. It's longer time to recover, and uh, we're really interested in hearing, hearing about that. Um, yeah, I would love sharing that with you. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I actually turned 56 on day three of the event. <laughs> um, so that was part of the reason for me running it uh, was to celebrate my birthday in, in high fashion. Absolutely. What a way to what a way to do it. Well, let's start right at the beginning. So you live in Prescott. Have you always lived in Prescott? 
Uh, I grew up in Prescott. And uh, so I was born in Phoenix. We lived, uh, we moved up to Prescott when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only time basically that I haven't lived here was uh, 10 years when I, I went to work in Southern California. And then, uh, but it was, a, it was a short, it was a short time. And as soon as I was able, I returned here. And that was, a, that was approximately 25 years, I think, since, since I moved wow. back from California. So we're in love with Arizona and we went out there. We've been there several times, but we went out a couple of years ago to check out Prescott because it hit the top 10 list of places to live in Arizona, especially because we were looking for some altitude and good places to train. So it sounds like you're right in the pocket there. And how long have you been running, Noel? Well, um, I did not run in high school. I did play sports. And then uh, and then approximately 15 uh, years ago, I started to get into uh, uh, running again for, you know, for health reasons. You kind of reach that point where it's like I need to do something to, to get healthy. I started doing um, 10Ks, went up to the half marathon and then the marathon uh, distance. And that's when I came upon um, the uh, trail running scene and started <laughs> to see the ultra runs. And that was in... That was in 2000, around 2012. What was your first ultra marathon? In, uh, in uh, the Prescott area, we have a long time uh, race called Man Against Horse. Oh, right. You know, it's funny because it's your first ultra. You're so excited, so excited, you know. Um, and I was, you know, asking him again, a veteran about uh, drop bags and, you know, all these other things. And, him being old school, he'd be like, yeah, I don't use a drop bag in a 50 miler. You know, it's just, it's too short. So, <laughs> so, you know, that's the kind of uh, education that I got. All you need is a handheld. <laughs> yeah. What exactly is your role with Aravipa? Because when I met you, you were um, sort of leading a crew, I believe, at the main base. When, after I retired, I was volunteering a lot for Aravipa. Um, the, you know, there was races where I would volunteer to course mark, volunteer to do setup, volunteer aid stations, volunteer breakdown. And then finally, I, I, you know, I don't know, it was just an epiphany. I was like, why don't, you know, why don't I see if I can just become part of their team? And uh, I contacted them and filled out an application and uh, they brought me on board um, right now, since I live in Prescott, uh, that, you know, they have uh, a lot of races down in the, uh, Phoenix metropolitan area mm-hmm. and I'll occasionally go down there. But, um, initially I was hired for like their big three races. So, uh, they have the, the Havelina mm-hmm. in the fall. Um, and it's going to be, I think it's going to be at full, full capacity this year. I think they've already, uh, they've already got that approved. So uh, it would be the Havelina races in, in uh, October. And then across the years, mm-hmm. um, and then the uh, Black Canyon Ultras, which is a uh, golden ticket race. I was hired to do those three big races, but then I, I fill in um, here and there. And I certainly would have been working Cocodone if I had not been, um, if I had not begged to allow them to uh, <laughs> have me run it. So, what was the appeal of Cocodona for you specifically? As soon as Cocodona kind of uh, was was being talked about. You know, uh, Jamil Curry, of course, was was behind the scenes planning this. Um, and I don't see in the mix where I see all this stuff going on with Aravipa. But as soon as I caught wind of the Coconona, that's when I started thinking that um, this would be a perfect event 
uh, for not only my type of running, but also because I live, I live here, you know, it goes through, again, it goes, the course goes through Prescott, uh, goes through Prescott Valley and, and Mingus and Jerome. And I, I know all these communities. Uh, so that's when, that's when I knew that, uh, um, that I wanted to commit, you know, uh, to the race and, and, uh, and experience the race. Let's, uh, let's go to race day. Yes. What, what was the atmosphere on the start line? What started Friday morning, was it? Sunday morning. Sunday morning? Mm -hmm. What was the atmosphere of everyone uh, no, finally uh, getting together? No, it was Monday. It was Monday morning. Monday, oh, Monday morning. morning. Okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, it's Monday morning. Go ahead. Go ahead, Norm. So what was the atmosphere? Everyone's finally there on the start line. And just take us through that first morning of everyone getting on the start line. After so many months of preparation. <laughs> um. For uh, for me, I think it was I think it was different. Um, oh, interesting. I was, yeah. There was excitement. I think there was a lot of excitement leading up to the race, but um, race day, I was pretty serious. I, I knew that that first day, I, I've I've explained it, and I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, so I can swear on here. I think, but yeah, uh, yes, you can. <laughs> I knew it would be a shit show. I knew it'd be just a tough tough day. And so I was really um, just, I was like in my own little bubble. Uh, I you know, I had friends and stuff that were running down there and I was excited for them. And I had um, uh, a couple of my friends drove me down there. My ultra runner friends to the start, you know, they got up really early to do that, but it was all business for me. It was, I knew that, um, that uh, it was going to be a long adventure and that um, that first day was going to be key. Getting through that healthy and um, mentally, you know, positive, it was going to be tough. So that's that's kind of how I approached it. It was just like all business. Um, it's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to socialize. I'm not going to be goofing around and trying to have fun. I just, this day was going to be all work. And then, you know, day two onward, I was going to start goofing around a little bit and having, you know, have, enjoying it a little bit more. I think that's a good strategy. It absolutely is. Yeah, you, you have to take it seriously, yeah, or else yeah. you know you could be in trouble. You, you could be early. in trouble early on. <laughs> now I know there were 108 finishers, but do you know how many starters there were? Right around 180. 180. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. So that's not bad. That's pretty good. And your goal on the first day was to get to the 71 mile mark at Camp Wamatochik, if I'm saying that right. Because you were going to hit yeah, an aid everybody station. Pronounces it, <laughs> everybody pronounces it different. I think it's Wimadichik. I think it's Wimadichik. That, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your first day. I have uh, experience on the Black Canyon Trail. So um, we start in Black Canyon City, and then we go southbound on what would be the, um, the, the Black Canyon 100K. Uh, so I knew that portion of the trail really well. There's basically two miles that's very runnable. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of rolling. And then you go down and you cross the Awafuri River, and then you have three miles of pretty steep climb. So my goal was five miles, no running, just fast hiking. Don't even worry about running. Uh, let people, there was, a, I got passed by a lot of people, even on the uphills. And, um, and, you know, I was just like, don't, uh, let that deter you from your strategy. Um, then basically, uh, I think you go out about eight miles on the Black Canyon Trail and then you turn right and go 
uh, start climbing on an old Jeep road. And then a couple of miles after that, you hit the, the, the crucial aid station, which is Cottonwood aid station. And the next section is 22 miles. So the uh, race director was recommending three uh, liter capacity for everybody. And I had five, I have five liter capacity because I knew again, it was going to be a shit show. I knew it was going to be hot exposed and a long section. There was a lot of people that were suffering on that section. I, uh, there was, there was one young guy that was from back East and he passed me. He was doing really well. And I came upon him and he was just kind of sprawled out in the middle of the trail. <laughs> and, and he was, he was cramping. He was cramping already. Wow. And yeah. And so, and he was low on, he was low on water. So, you know, I asked him if he had taken any salt and he, somebody just gave him salt. And I, and I said, do you need some water? And he was like, yeah. So I gave him some of my water. I, I was doing pretty good with water. Even, you know, I figured I, I had plenty. I was doing okay. Yeah. And so I asked him, I said, well, do you have any pain medication like Excedrin or anything? He's like, no, I don't carry any. I was like, well, I was like, well, when you get to my age that you got to be carrying that. So I, I gave him an Excedrin. I think that helped him also. So you, he probably aged um, 20 years right there lying down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, are you kidding me? You don't have any acetaminophen or anything. It's like, come on, kid. <laughs> These um, rookies. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but I kept going. Uh, I gave water to, I gave water to a total of three people that were, I think one was low, two were just completely out. Um, and you're trying and you're thinking about your race and you want to have enough for you, mm -hmm. but yeah. you don't, but you want to give out what you can. Yeah. Um, and I think I did pretty good because I ran out with um, three miles to the top from three miles from the top. I totally ran out, but I was pretty hydrated. So I did not have any problem getting up there, but there was, there was people under trees. <laughs> I don't know how many people dropped that day, but the majority of people that dropped, dropped on day one because no. of that section. Yes. Was it hotter than usual or do you think they just weren't prepared? Can't be prepared. Yeah. Just I the norms got it. They're just they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared. So you ran you ran out of water, but you made it to the aid. And it didn't matter if you had water because that's when you had your first beer. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. Was it. Like, one, of, one of my friends said it was like you were in the uh, longest ever uh, uh, beer beer pub crawl or, or <laughs> pub crawl. And I was like, yeah, I was looking back at it. I was like, yeah. Yeah. How, so I how got into crown. I got <laughs> how good did that taste? <laughs> yeah. It was good. Yeah, I don't yeah, Jody and Norma, I was actually thinking about like all of the places I could stop along the course and have a beer. That's how actually how I was planning out the course. Um love it. There's, there's an actual commercial. But I grab <laughs> There's a commercial like that, that I remember. The guy comes out of the desert. He asked an old man for some, for a, a drink. And the old man says, all I have is water. He says, no, I'm looking for beer. And he goes back in the desert. Yeah. Is that you? No, it, it could have been. It could have been. I could do a commercial for that. What kind of but beer was that? We were, uh, well, we, it was, uh, so the aid station was Crown King. And, uh -huh. and it's a, it's an old mining community and it's, uh, it, it's quite the drive to get up there. 
Um, and they have one saloon and the aid station was right next to the saloon. <laughs> and so as soon as I pull in there, I get my drop bag and I start preparing, you know, I'm actually, you know, I'm, I, I had a good day. Uh, you know, it was all business. Now is the time to start, um, uh, you know, with the toughest section behind me now, this is the time to start enjoying things. So, yeah. um, had my, had my drop bag at all, started getting all my stuff ready. And then there was, uh, two women that were sitting there and they're waiting for their runner. And, um, I remembered to bring, uh, uh, some cash and my credit card for a beer along the way. Very important. <laughs> and I asked her if she could go in and, and, uh, buy a beer for me. And she kind of looked at me a little confused and then she was like, yeah, sure. So, um, I had a half of ice and, uh, I had a half of ice and something light, you know, yeah. uh, at the aid station. <laughs> I love it. Maybe her, her runner was that guy lying down 20 miles back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Have you checked out our virtual series yet? We Run the North. Celebrating Canada's national parks features a total of 13 10-kilometer challenges, one for each province and territory. How many national parks can you name? Well, there's Algonquin, and then there's BAM, and then that's it? Anyways, medals that connect, license plate-style bibs, and cool swag can be yours. Visit gotterunracing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. It could probably have been. Still there. there were still a lot of people. There were still a lot of people that were behind me out on the course that were struggling to make it there to, to Crown King. <laughs> now, at what point did you hear about the mountain lion sighting? Because I know that happened somewhere around this point. So we left. Uh, so um, I say we because there was a couple runners with me, but I left Crown King and it was just starting. Uh, the sun was just starting to go down. I have uh, some some uh, Aeroplex headphones that I popped on, and I threw on a podcast, a comedy podcast. Um, I know which one it is. So it's that, my favorite one. <laughs> Smartless. <is> it? Yes. <laughs> Smartless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I popped that on, and I was giggling. You know, I was climbing and giggling, and they were so funny. <laughs> and I came upon a runner, and he was stopped, and he was tired, and he was like, "Did you see the mountain lion? That you know that." Uh, down below. And I was like, no, I didn't see the mountain lion. And apparently it was a, it was a mother and two cubs wow. um, right in a dry wash, right before we turn on the trail. And I probably went right past her and not knowing it, you know, me giggling from, from the podcast or laughing or whatever. So yeah, it was probably good that I didn't see, you know, cause I would have been freaked out a little bit. Well, I'm, I'm wow. sure she saw you later yeah. on. I, <laughs> you know, I, I, she saw me. And then later on, I talked to several runners that I know that were around me in that section. They all saw them. I was the only clueless one that uh, <laughs> that didn't have a mountain lion sighting. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to Smartless. That's right. <laughs> yeah, thanks to Smartless. <laughs> and you're running towards some uh, some sleep and a shower, which I yeah. can't imagine so was... how awesome that would be. <laughs> yeah, that was a... That was a really high priority for me. I know it sounds silly, but I just know, I know even when I was doing the multi-day, uh, multi-day uh, races, how, how good it was after a, a long sweaty day where you're just feeling scummy and, and beat up, you know, to have a shower and a couple hours of sleep, it just felt so good. So 
I arrived at Wimadachik at 4.30. So it was 20, 23 hours later, 71 miles. is uh, That's how long it took us to get to that, that uh, first sleep station for me. And once you arrived and checked in and whatnot, how much sleep did you actually get? Was it difficult to fall asleep at that point? Yeah. How do you turn your brain off now? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. That's, um, it's hard to. I, I showered real quick. I went into the bunkhouse. It was kind of confusing. It was, they, there was really nobody there to kind of direct me to the bunkhouse. They just kind of pointed down there. I went in there and it was so stupid of me because I really wasn't prepared just to lay down. I had like all my gear. So mm-hmm. I went in. I was probably the loudest guy ever. They probably hated me. Um, but I finally got down to sleep. And with uh, COVID, they don't have any bedding or anything. It's just like a, it's like a mattress with, uh, you know, with a plastic covering on it. Mm-hmm. So all I had was my clothes and I put as much on as I could and laid down and it was supposed to be a heated, um, cabin, but they hadn't turned on the heater. And so it was chilly. You can't turn your mind off. You know, you really can't. I think, I think I sat probably two or three hours that first wow. night, which was good. Yeah. Um, 4.30 in the morning. Now you're sleeping, right? Yeah, it was yeah. 4.30 in the morning because I remember we were getting, uh, we were getting into the first aid station and the, you could see that the, it was starting to get light. Yeah. Um, okay. And this is the day that you're heading into your hometown, right? Yep. I was really excited about that because uh, the, uh, our, my running group, they were actually in charge of that aid station. Mm. Um, they're, all of them were volunteering and they were heading up the uh, Whiskey Row aid station. So, and I knew, I knew all those trails. It was just, it was very comforting to, to uh, know the trails going into Prescott. And then I was ahead of the head schedule hitting Whiskey Row and it was, uh, it was really fun. I felt like uh, a rock star coming into Whiskey <laughs> Row with all of my friends there and <laughs> cheering me on. It was a lot of fun. We are familiar with Whiskey Row. Yes, we are. Yeah, we, we, we visited. Yeah. Yeah. We love the, the town is just so yeah. historic. That's why we kind of liked Prescott. Yeah. yeah. I was kind of curious about um, the tracking device because mm. you were ahead of your time. So I guess your friends were tracking you. They know you're coming in. How accurate was this tracking? I, I couldn't tell you. I think it was very accurate because they were the thing about this race is not only the tracking where you could track every runner, but then they also had the live stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have several of my friends who aren't even running who told me that they could not get away from their computers, <laughs> you know, because of the race. So uh, that, that, that was smart. Really for mm-hmm. That was smart for everybody yeah. to do that. Yeah. Very smart. Yeah. But that's only... the type of thing that Aravipa does. It seems like they're on the cutting edge of, of things like that. Mm-hmm. I had a question about you were able to track while you were running. Could you see how many people were behind you, in front of you, and how far away they're from you? Could you track others while you're running? I, I could have, but I did not. Okay. I did not. Later on, James Nally, my um, pacer, he would do that. We, I just kind of wanted to know. I really didn't want to know, but he would tell me where where my friends were. And at Whiskey Row, let me guess, more beer. Yep. They had, <laughs> I actually had a, um, all my friends had beer for me. And uh, so I had a beer there. Yes. Oh, and I didn't, I didn't mention the, the whiskey shot that I had at Wilmotichick either. So nice. Uh, that That'll keep you warm at night. Um, <laughs> yeah, it will. Yeah. So two beers and one whiskey shot so far. Okay. Out of, uh, and at this point, you're, Going to be hitting the 100-miler mark? You haven't quite yet, right? Out in the middle of nowhere, there's a sign that says, uh, 
you know, a hundred miles. So, and that was right at uh, 35 hours for me. Nice. I'm going to ask you about mentally, most people, they think of the hundred miler as a, a point in, in the race where this is it. It's, you're not even halfway, but it's, it's a point where the benchmark uh, mentally, this is going to break me or I'm going to stop at a hundred miles or something. So how do you get past that benchmark to keep going? Cause it's not even halfway yet, but most people would stop at a hundred miles. Be happy with getting well, they, yeah, to they, They'd be miles. happy with a hundred miles, I yeah. guess. How'd you get past that? You know, I, I had that thought when I hit that it's, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of mind blowing to think, you know, I have over 150 more miles to go. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just pushed it aside and I, I kind of, I celebrated that I was, I made it to the hundred mile mark. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, it was a tough hundred mile race already, you know, making it in 35 hours. Um, but I, I basically just kind of put it away and started thinking about the next aid station. You know, that's, it's really that simple. It's that simple. It's that simple in a hundred K 50 miler, hundred miler. It's like, you just, you just concentrate on the next aid station, make it to the next aid station. That's where I, you know, that's oh, the next beer. how I work. <laughs> the next beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're, you're approaching another uh, sleep aid station and another shower. Um, at what point? I think you had at this point when it started getting dark, that's when you realized that you hadn't charged your Kogala light and you needed to use your little pen light as a backup. That must have been a bit of a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it was so stupid. It's what a rookie mistake. Um, <laughs> and then it's it's mentally it's 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 a little uh, emotionally it's tough also because it's like, oh, man, you know, that what is what a mistake. And, and uh, having that pen light was not ideal. And I was using my pole, so I would try to hold the pen light in my with my poles, and then I would put it in my mouth, you know, if I needed both hands. Uh, but after the two and a half miles, we hit Forest Service Road, and it was it was fairly easy. I didn't need my pole, so uh, it, it got it. It actually, you know, it worked. It was light. It it was a good backup, and it, it got me to Mingus. Um, yeah, it's a good thing you had Mingus it. Mingus was, yeah, yeah, and and everybody, I'm sure uh, most people figure, you know, try to think. Um, or carry some sort of backup in case, you know, in case their main light doesn't work. So that, that was kind of my plan is just to have this really light, simple pen light to help me out. Mm-hmm. Was this during a full moon? How was the moon this, during these nights? Um, I cannot even recall. I don't think it was, a, <laughs> it might have been, it might have been partial. I can't even remember uh, seeing the moon actually. So, um, but I got into, that was actually a pr- fairly short day for me. I think it was like 40 miles. I got into Mingus. And, um, a lot of my Aravipa family was working there and, uh, they were taking care of me. It was fairly early. Uh, I was, I had a pacer that was set up to meet me the next morning. I was thinking about pushing on. And at that point I was like, I'm just going to stick with my plan. Um, mm-hmm. I think I did. I ate well. I showered. Uh, I had a little, I had a hard time figuring out the shower cause they had like a little timer on there. Uh, you know, I thought I was going to go to bed without a, uh, a shower, but I figured it out and then, uh, the accommodations were great because I think a lot of people again pushed through. They weren't planning on sleeping there, so I had a little bunk room all to myself, and I slept really, really well that night. And you wake up, and it's your birthday. It's my birthday, <laughs> and I have um, 
Carl, uh, my friend Carl, uh, well, he's a good friend now, but he was kind of just an acquaintance before the race. But he was there uh, early to meet me, and he was going to pace me for the next 12 miles. And um, Dougie, who is not with Aravipa, I don't even know his last name, but he made me some uh, birthday pancakes, which were awesome. (laughs) And uh, we got ready to head out for uh, May 5th, uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is my birthday. We got, uh, we had, uh, you know, I think it was like 4.30 or 5 a.m. in the morning. It's a birthday you're never going to forget. I will never forget it. That's for sure. (laughs) And this is the run towards Sedona, correct? That's correct. So next section is uh, Sedona is my next goal. And then which age station had the Cinco de Mayo party, all the Mexican uh, style? Yeah, that was that was Cottonwood. So we uh, we left Jerome and then it's basically mostly downhill all the way into Cottonwood. We go through the town of Clarkdale, which, again, is um, uh, a historic, a small historic town uh, right on the color, right on the Verde River. And. Uh, Carl and I stopped in for the next beer. So uh, it was, I think it was 10, 10 or 11 a.m. in the morning. And I thought, oh, we're not going to find, you know, we're not going to find a place. But we did. It was right, right on the course. Um, There's this little cocktail lounge. And we took our pack off at the door and went over and had uh, ice cold water. And uh, we split an IPA. Well, actually, after the half IPA, I was talking to Carl. I was like, why don't we have one more? He's like, no. <laughs> so he's, he's, he want to carry a really you. good pacer yeah he didn't want to carry me <laughs> and uh Aravipa people knew it was my birthday um and they had tacos and uh, i had a that was where i had a margarita so i had a, a margarita there at that day stage <laughs> hey you need the salt right that's right <laughs> yeah yeah it was good it was good in tacos tacos and chips and coke and margaritas Sounds perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was good. Now, I know that you're heading towards Sedona. At what part was it getting dark? Because the first time Norm and I went to Sedona, we drove up from Phoenix and our I think our flight landed in the evening. So yeah. we drove up right away and checked into our hotel. And when we woke up the next morning and I opened the curtains, my mouth was on the floor because we had the view and it was like, I can't believe we drove here in the dark and missed all of this. So that's what I was thinking when yeah. I was reading your, your blog that you got there in the dark. So you missed all kinds of scenery running in the dark. Uh, I did. I got a question about how far apart mm. everyone is. How, what is the longest stretch where you just didn't see anybody? Oh, you know, there were later on, it seemed like uh, maybe just where I was at, like in the group of people there, you know, there were sections, you know, 15 mile sections where I didn't run into anybody, um, you know, where it was just me and my pacer. Even like when we went from, I can't remember what the aid station was before Fort Tuthill, that long section that night, we probably uh, passed uh, two runners and two pacers in that section. So there were some big, long sections in there where we were, oh. it, we felt very alone. That's interesting. So how many hours would that be? 15 miles? Uh, three, three, four, four hours. Four hours of just not seeing anything, anybody? Yeah, probably four hours. I was trying to do, you know, um, I was trying to do four miles an hour, just fast hiking, but that would typically go into like a 17 minute mile just because, just because of fatigue. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, there was there was long sections. Have you had any points of hallucination yet, whether it be from the heat or the sleep deprivation or the night when you're seeing things? Or too many beers? <laughs> no, none of those. I don't really, I don't think I've really experienced hallucinations. Mm. Um, I'm pretty good at um, getting by with minimal sleep, whatever, whatever genetic, uh, you know, whatever genes allows me to do that. I don't, I don't really have those, you know, and then I think for whatever reason, I'm gifted with um, with the ultra running genes or the, you know, it's, I don't, it's, it's people, there's a lot of people that just can't do it for whatever reason. Like they're, you know, I have good friends that are great runners, but like their stomach's always giving them problems mm. or, or, you know, their feet, their feet, they blister easily. Um, I, you know, I feel just so very fortunate that I can uh, do this type of run and be 56 and do this type of run and, and, and be, do it successfully, you know, not, not, mis- you know, I wasn't miserable out there. I was, you know, I was fatigued and tired and you, you're supposed to be in a race like this, but yeah, you know, as soon as I finished the finish, as soon as I crossed the finish line, I thought to myself, I would do this again in a second. In a second. <laughs> so at no point during this race, you thought that this is just not going to happen. Mm. You did you say, yeah, never. Yeah. That's good. Wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah, now, never had doubts. Never had doubts. Great. That's amazing. So now you're heading towards the 200 mile mark. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that was once we uh, got up on the, co- yeah, yeah, the final stretch. <laughs> once we got up on the Coca, uh, Coconino Plateau, we're running uh, basically on these old Forest Service roads through these uh, uh, Ponderosa Pines and burned out areas. Uh, we picked up uh, Danny from California, Westergaard, I think was his name. He's a 61 year old runner, runner, and he's it was fun running with him. Uh, he said he's going back in July to do his uh, 13th Badwater. Um, huh. Yeah, crazy. James and I kept saying, why? Why would you do that? And he was like, you know, I don't know. It's just like, it's, <laughs> it's what I do. And uh, so he ran with us all the way to Cinder from that point. Um, and it, we did cross the 200 mile threshold. And again, that was, I, I think that that meant way more than one, hitting the 100. It was like, mm. that's it was very surreal to hit that 200 mile mark. Mm. And uh, no, you only had what, 57 miles to go. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Only. Only. Yeah, only. only. <laughs> I know that's weird. It's weird when you say that. Only 57 miles to go. Yeah. And then this is going to be your final section where you're going to take a little bit of sleep. Is that right? Before the finish. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should say that I turned down the opportunity to drink a beer at Cinder <laughs> before we left uh, for that final push to Tothill. I had a friend of mine, um, A. Lynn from Aravipa. She actually put a beer in my drop bag. Um, <laughs> and I just at that point, I was I was really tired and it was getting cold and I needed all of my mental faculties to basically get me through that last push. Mm-hmm. So um, but James. We, we made it there way quicker than I thought we would. I think it was like 1 or 1 a.m. or 1.30 that we hit Tuttle. And uh, that was my last sleep for the night. Uh, and darn it, they had no showers. No showers. That was so disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you did have meatballs, I understand. Yeah, we had, you know, uh, we had a good substantial dinner. We had uh, pasta with meat, uh, with sauce and meatballs and, and, uh, you know, that really hit the spot. Um, 
And then we, we got cleaned up and we laid down and I thought, you know, this is, um, this happened like the last couple of nights, but I would lay down and my legs hurt so bad. They just, it was almost like needles going through them and my feet were kind of like numbish, you know, and they're still like uh, partially numb under some of my toes. I don't know if it's from just beating them up like that, but it was hard, very hard to sleep that last night. Yeah. And in retrospect, uh, I don't know. I think it actually worked out well for me trying to sleep every night. So I think that I was able to resting early in the race, I think allowed me to do well later on when everybody else was just pushing through on very little sleep. I mean, I think some people I think slept zero and quite honestly, I think I finished like right around them, you know? So it's like mm. you could pick your poison. You could try to rest, do better for the sections that you're awake or just keep pushing through, pushing through. So, but it was hard, very hard sleeping. All right. So take us to the finish. Let's, let's hear the mindset and what was happening. Hey guys, if you like what you're hearing so far, give us a like and follow our social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, you can find all that at gotterunracing.com. Did you know the monarch butterfly is the ultra runner of the insect world? Covering over 4,000 kilometers every year during their migration from Mexico to Canada. Is that what they mean when they say the butterfly effect? That was a weird movie. We've launched the Monarch Ultra Virtual 10K. You can run, walk, hike, bike, or flap your wings virtually anytime, anyplace. You'll receive a beautiful two-sided medal featuring a stunning Monarch, as well as a custom neck gaiter, all while supporting Camp Kawartha in Peterborough. Our goal is to have 430 participants across North America, each completing 10K, representing the collective distance of the Monarch's migration. Sprint to GottaRunRacing.com for more details. Now, back to the show. Yeah, so the, we left Fort Tuttle at around uh, 4.30 or 5 a.m., and I had 37 miles to go. And my schedule, my original uh, schedule put me in Flagstaff in the uh, late afternoon, early evening. So I was on schedule, crazy. It, now, none of it lined up with, with the splits that I had in my spreadsheet. It's just <laughs> I somehow I ended up where I was going to be finishing at the same time. Um, and I kind of felt sad. I felt sad that the <laughs> that the adventure was coming to an end. Yeah. I know that um, feeling. <laughs> yeah, isn't that isn't that weird though? It's like you're yeah you you want to get to the finish line, you want to experience the finish line, and uh, but you're kind of sad. It's like I was sad that it was just this whole you know it's months of training before and then the race and everything. Luckily, very fortunately, kind of comes together. We made it to uh, Elden Aid Station. It's like in the saddle. It's in a little saddle up there, and the wind was blowing horribly. It was probably mm -hmm. gusting to 40 miles an hour uh, at, at that point. And, uh, you know, you had to, I had, you know, my hat, I actually had to put this, the chin strap on so that it wouldn't blow off <laughs> and, and blow off the hill. Uh, but they were a great aid station. They, um, uh, they took us inside to get us out of the wind. They got us Coke. Um, the, the guy who was great, the guy, there was a guy up there grilling. We thought it was kind of weird. He was grilling uh, brats, wings and brats. He's like, you guys want a brat? We're like, yeah, give us a brat. And, um, <laughs> and it was, 
it was Peter Mortimer who who's a Flagstaff runner, and he got second place in that race. And we didn't. We, he looked familiar to us, but we're like, no way is that Peter Mortimer because he got you know he just ran the race. Um, <laughs> but he had finished the race and then went back up to the to the aid station to uh, to you know flip meat and help help the runners. That's awesome. That um, would never happen and, in a marathon. Just pointing that out. <laughs> it wouldn't. It wouldn't. No. No, but it was it was awesome. We did we saw him the next day down at the square and we were just like, you know, we're sorry we didn't say hi or whatever. We thought it was cool that you were there, but we couldn't believe that that was you. You know, it was <laughs> it was weird. Um Seems but nice. we left the A station, it was about eight miles to go, eight and a half miles to go. And then um a friend of mine from Flagstaff who's a um who was out running in Buffalo Park sauce in uh sauce and cheered us on. She told us that there was a runner that was a female runner that was having a hard time ahead of us. And there was, there was say, you know, she told me just check on her. Um, as we were leaving Buffalo Park about two miles ago, it was Pam Reed who was, uh, just leaving Buffalo Park. So I came upon, uh, Pam Reed and, uh, she, you know, she, she had a little, she had a lean. She had the, you know, the ultra runner lean that, um, we see a lot of times in the, in the long races and, you know, she's very seasoned. I said, Hey, do you want us to hang with you? And, uh, to, you know, to, till we get into town and she's like, no, 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 I'm fine. You know, go ahead. So, um, I was able to run quite a bit of the uh, last section, had uh, several friends meet me along the way, cheering me on. And then another friend, uh, Greg Reverdu, uh, from Prescott area trail runners. He was filming me on uh, Facebook live for all of my fellow runners, uh, as I came into the finish line. And uh, very, very cool finish to to finishing down <laughs> yes. downtown Flagstaff. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Congratulations! Yeah. What an adventure! Thanks. <laughs> it was great. It was amazing. And were you ready to go home and sign up again, or did you would you have to think about that? <laughs> if they would have had registration open again, I would have signed up right away. Um, <laughs> and you finished yeah. in an. 108 hours yeah 108 hours just over 108 hours yeah wow that's yeah. incredible that's it's, mind, incredible. it's mind-boggling yeah, yeah. <laughs> how's your recovery been Noel? i i could have slept probably for 24 hours but i forced myself to get up early on saturday morning because i wanted to go back out to the finish line mm. and uh cheer on the final runners mm. um, which was again amazing to go out and See Andre Lee, who was the um, he was the the DFL, and uh, I know him from Phoenix, you know, from the Phoenix runs. But to see him, I can't imagine what it was like to be fighting cutoffs and have the the sweeps like behind you, just constantly, you know, just it's almost like a Pac Man <laughs> to stay ahead of them. And <laughs> well, what is the to cutoff? stay ahead of what them is, and to finish it? what it. What is the cutoff? What is it? Was it was 125, 125 hours. Wow. So there was a golden hour for this race. How many people came in the golden hour? Yeah, it's the last hour. So uh, Andre was the last. I can't tell you how many came in like in, in the golden hour. I can't even recall now. Again, I was, I was fatigued, quite fatigued. But, <laughs> I, you know, I can't remember. I think... I, I think Jubilee was still at the, I think she was still like uh, calling out the runners finishing. Um, it didn't matter though. It was just the, that whole morning, just all the people that had persevered. Yeah. And there were some people that 
had suffered way more than I suffered. Um, <laughs> you know, people, I, you know, in Cottonwood, we were running with a young lady from Washington and she was already severely blistered. I don't know how she made it. She made it though. Um, <laughs> and it's incredible. It really is. It's like, uh, you know, I don't know if I would have uh, finished with that much suffering. Yeah. <laughs> now that time has passed and you can look back at the race, what would you do to improve the race? If anything. If anything at all. Yeah. Well, you guys are both ultra runners, so you know we ask ourselves that. I would not have changed anything. It was perfect. It was perfect. It's if I uh, is it the butterfly effect where if you change one thing, it, it might <laughs> snowball and change all the other things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it might have been that. It might have been if I would have tried to push through from Mingus and went all the way to Cottonwood, it would have changed everything. And um, it was it was perfect. It was it was so much fun. Um, it was just it was uh, it's everything that I could dream for. I mean, it was it's crazy. It's it's crazy how you people think you're insane when you say that. But it was just it was incredible. It was incredible. <laughs> now, this might sound like an ignorant question because I. I'm not super familiar with the course, but what would it be like running that in reverse? So Flagstaff to Black Canyon, would it, would it have similar elements or would it just completely be a whole new race? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it would, it would still be pretty, pretty epic. I think the, the, the great thing about the way this race is designed is you end in Flagstaff and Flagstaff is a very much an outdoorsy running community. Mm. So I think it's, you know, finishing in Black Canyon City, not quite as exciting as maybe mm. finishing, uh. you know, in a town like Flagstaff, someplace that just totally, totally embraces, uh, you know, running and the, and the outdoor community. And, and I, I had thought about this quite a bit, um, but it takes a, a, in, a, in a race like this, it's a lot less about an individual and more about like the village. I think, you know, I give so many people credit for helping me get through this race. The people that um, helped ensure that I got to the starting line uh, in shape, you know, James and, and uh, Jeff and Holly, they all helped me get there. And then um, the eight station people that knew me and helped me and then my pacers, um, and I really didn't have, I didn't have crew. And I think if, if you would have had crew that, that would have made the whole experience even richer. Well, this has been awesome, Noel. It's really nice seeing you again. And we, we really enjoyed hearing your story about Cocodona. Yeah. And we'd like to end our podcast with a little rapid fire. We have a few little questions just to get to know you better. So just answer off the top of your head. There's no wrong, uh, no wrong choices. Are you ready? You probably should have had a beer for this. <laughs> <laughs> We're drinking beer. I know I should have. Well, it's, uh, it's only four. What are you guys drinking? Creamore? Creamore, which is a local, local beer. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, it's only, it's only four 30 here. Um, so <laughs> It's five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, Rolling Stones or Beatles? Stones. Star Wars or Star Trek? Uh, Star Wars, definitely. Star Wars, definitely. Another sport you'd like to excel in other than running? Swimming. Ah, okay. Good choice. <laughs> <laughs> if you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? 
Wow. It's a tough one. I, I can't. Yeah, that is a tough one. I can't can't really think of. I'm going to have to pass. I'm not really yeah, sure. No worries. I'm sorry. <laughs> would you want to, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to see Prescott a hundred years ago? <laughs> yeah, I would actually. I think that would be fun to see it as a mining town. Yeah. I mean, there like, you go. Thanks Norm. Thanks Norm. You could have, you could have prepped me a little bit for that one. <laughs> Prescott 1850s. There you go. Yeah. Uh, favorite junk food. Favorite junk food. Well, my go-to is uh, potato chips. All in right. ultras and otherwise. Chips. <laughs> and uh, if you could, because of COVID, we were asking this question, but if you could get on an airplane right now, where would you go? Um, I've had a, I had a friend that went to Patagonia. And mm-hmm. so that's always been like uh, underneath my skin. I think that would be uh, just an amazing place to experience. Absolutely. Well, thank you again. Yeah. We've, we've really enjoyed speaking with you. I'm wondering about, um, your, your races for both of you. Um, I know that it's a whole different scene up in Canada. Um, are you guys able to have anything on the well, upcoming race list? There's, there's nothing, there's in, nothing in the immediate future. Uh, Norm's deferred both Western and UTMB. He was supposed to participate last year. So fortunately, he's been able to defer. Uh, for next year and probably UTMB 2023. Um, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to kind of look into the future because so much of this past year and a half, you couldn't plan anything, right? But I have a nice little credit with Aravipa from my volunteering that's just, I'm itching to sign up for something. So we're really hoping we can spend some time in Arizona in either January or February. And what's that race in February? Um, maybe Noel can tell us because the Black Canyon. Black, well, yeah, I won't be doing Black Canyon, it's but <laughs> Black Canyon. well, they have a they have a sweet, they have a hundred k, and they have a sweet sixty k too. Mm. Uh, both, they're both really fun races. Oh. Yeah, that yeah. could be. Well, we're looking for something hopefully in the winter to go down. Yeah. We really want to spend some time yeah. down there. Yeah. So. But unfortunately, yeah. nothing up here in Canada. No. Nope. We're also race yeah. directors, um, but we're hoping that we might be able to put something on in late September, but that still remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're so well, my hat's off to you because um, <laughs> I know, I know it's, uh, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated and, um, otherwise, I don't know if I would, if I would have totally felt comfortable with, you know, some of the situations. I don't know, but um, yeah, we're. I think we're very fortunate. I mean, look that they have the the races, the upcoming races. Uh, you know, when they're talking about Havelina with no restrictions, as far as, um, you know, it's going to be. You know, let's just let's just hope we can continue down a, a forward path to to putting the um, pandemic behind us. Well, when you think about ultra running and all, all the situations and the unhygienic positions we put ourselves in, I think all of our immunities were pretty strong heading into this. <laughs> yeah. But you are you are compromised after a race like this. I mean, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, get bad coughs and it's just you are. I think, you know, you, you, you are zapped. Um, yeah. But um, yeah. <laughs> Plus, your immune system's also down, depleted because you've been running for a hundred miles or so. So you're depleted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. You're depleted. Yeah, you're very vulnerable. Yeah, to everything. So yeah, cool. 
Well, thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah, this, it was fun. I, I, again, I really appreciate you guys having the opportunity to, to share my story. I really do. Awesome. Well, hopefully we'll chat again with you soon. Maybe when we're planning our next trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let, let, us, let me know when you're going to be in Arizona again, and we'll, uh, we'll definitely try to uh, run into each other. I'd love to do some more volunteering while I'm there too. Um, I'm going to try to stay a little bit more long-term and he'll come in and out, but I'd love to do some volunteering while I'm there. So hopefully we we can see each other then. I hope so. I hope so. All right. Cheers. Thanks so much. Okay. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye. Wow. What an adventure. So I'm so jealous. Just the fact that he's able to race now. And we're still stuck. <laughs> In an awesome place. Yeah. How cool is it to run through your hometown? And Arizona is just a mecca for trail running. Yeah. We've been to several of the places he mentioned, but to do that continuously yeah. in an adventure like that. And relatively uh, unscathed. Yeah. He did it in great condition. And- I think he lost a baby toenail. Yeah, <laughs> and and he's back running. I think it's all the beers that helped him. The beer stay numb. The beer is the <laughs> and, key. And stay focused. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see the beer count on the video. <laughs> well, thanks, Noel. It's nice to see you again. Yep, and we'll and be seeing you again. Yes. Right. Hopefully soon. Yes. Cheers. Bye. Ooh, that was quite the marathon. Thanks for listening to the Gotta Run Racing Podcast with your hosts, Norman and Jody. Please visit us at gotarunracing.com for more information on our events or simply drop us an email at gotarunracing at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our YouTube channel to stream the video version of this episode. Oh, and if you like my voice, check me out at tylerherchuk.ca. T-Y-L-E-R-H-Y-R-C-H-U-K. Gotta run!